Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. God, I just thank You for this moment. I thank You, God, that Your Word sets us up for a win in every area of our lives. And I just pray that, God, we would hear what You wanna say to us today. God, that it wouldn't be our words, but Holy Spirit, that You would speak. I just pray right now that we would come uh, get ourselves in a place where we're ready to receive, where we just let down walls, that we are sensitive to You, Holy Spirit, and what You're saying. And we wouldn't take anything as condemnation, but we would take it as You being a loving Father who wants the best for us. And I just pray that we would lean in in a new way, in Jesus' Name. Amen. 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 Did you hear that? No condemnation, Nadia. Craig Clark. We're talking about relationships. No throwing (laughs) me under the bus, Nadia. Well, we are going to be honest today too and vulnerable. So basically, was that a disclaimer? You are going to throw me under the bus? Was that what that was? Probably. (laughs) Okay. In love though. Oh, yeah. 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 And it is pretty cool. We've got uh, a new series, obviously, as we've said, Assembly Required. We've got uh, Mrs. Potato Head, Mr. Potato Head here. And uh, there are little props uh, uh, for for the series, but... Obviously, if you know these characters, the truth of it is, is that they need people to help put them together. Otherwise, they're always missing parts. And it's funny how easy things can fall off. And I think that can be so similar with relationships. Uh, And it's amazing because as soon as we were talking about having this uh, series, and we're going to have it for about five weeks, uh, we really felt straight away, let's talk about conflict. Yes. Let's talk about conflict and conflict resolution. So not just conflict. Let's not just talk about all the things that like irk each other. Uh, but let's talk about conflict resolution because I think if we can't get conflict resolution well, uh, then who knows that all our relationships are only temporary. Yeah, it's so, so true. we're called to lead in relationship and so... So true. If you take the Mr. Potato Head, see, if we don't do... Con- sorry, if you take Mrs. Potato Head, babe. If we don't do conflict well... Oh, she's already she's already losing stuff. <laughs> she's already coming apart. She doesn't apart. want to listen. She, do- she dropped her ear. She's not keen on that, hearing what you have to say. That wouldn't so, be... Oh, a- she just lost an arm. Oh, she just lost another ear. <laughs> that wouldn't be a woman at all. But see, if... If we if we do conflict in a way that clashes, what ends up happening? Like we end up destroying uh, each other, and well, we've oh jeez, oh lord, oh. We end up destroying each other, and I mean we've been married for it's going to be in November 19 years, yeah, and together for three years before that, and so we have learned over the years of us being together that conflict can be done in a way that either either destroys the relationship, brings yeah. damage, or it can actually bring incredible resolution so yeah. and incredible cohesion between the two of you. So how we do conflict so matters, and not just for marriages, but for friendships, yeah. for family dynamics, for work relationships. Honestly, a lot of... Uh, well, a lot of times when we counsel people, it's just because conflict hasn't been done well. And often it festers over so many years yeah. and then gets to a place where the damage is irreparable. But if conflict was done right at the very beginning, there would have been a lot of years that would have been saved. So we need to learn how to do conflict well. Yes. And I love... Now, the truth is that God calls us to lead the way in every sphere of life as Christians. So He actually calls us to do conflict well. And actually in John 13, verse 34 to 35, it says, a new commandment I give you. This is Jesus speaking to His disciples. He says, love one another. As I have loved you, you also must love one another. And by this, everyone that you will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. And to be honest, like a lot of us know that passage, 
but it's actually incredibly challenging that the trademark of following Jesus is how we love one another. And if we were to look at ourselves, if we were to look at our relationships, is that the case? Do our relationships cause other people to look at us and go, you know what, they're a follower of Jesus because of how they do their relationships. Like that's actually incredibly challenging. So I think it's awesome. It's a great opportunity for us to go deeper, especially in the season that we find ourselves in of lockdowns and everything, because I don't know about you, but anything that kind of was simmering there is brought to the surface in lockdowns. Like conflict is just, just go to another level, <laughs> not speaking in my personal experience in any way whatsoever. Oh man, I don't know if uh, there's anyone at home but has ever had a day without conflict. Now we have the privilege of having three kids and I'd have to say there's probably not three hours that goes by. And then I was thinking about it last night, literally, uh, we were dealing with conflict to the minute the kids went to bed and generally it's within about three, four minutes of the kids waking up that there's more conflict. Uh, whether it's, there's not enough yogurt, he doesn't want to this, she doesn't do this. Like, it's just, it's on all the time. And then the other morning I woke up and it was like, there was no, it was like, it was just like the birds were chirping. It was like the house was peaceful. I was like, this is so good. I think we've been about five minutes without conflict. This is awesome. Only for easy, our three-year-old to come up from downstairs going, the dog pooed on the floor. Dad, the dog pooed on the floor. So you don't even need kids to have conflict. You just need an animal. And I'm like, why is it the poot on the floor? So I'm having conflict with the dog. Uh, you know, like it's just, so it's, again, it's not about so much uh, marriages and relationships as far as families, but it is a dynamic that includes all of us. But it is true. These seasons have caused, caused us to see it at a heightened capacity. Yeah. Uh, and you'll find, and we're finding that what was below the surface is coming up. And so the challenge is, is that we're noticing and we're seeing across society right now that more brokenness is coming up, more damage is taking place, not more resolution, not more hope, not more restoration, but that actually is a responsibility for us as believers is to lead the way in this. And so we really have to have some fundamental principles around us. And so we want to unpack again over today. But as we're preparing, we really feel like it's probably going to be a two-week series for us. And so we're going to start week one today. And then a couple of weeks, we're going to do part two. And so today, we're going to lay the sort of the foundational principles, a couple of key things. And then second week, we're going to get super practical uh, in regards to all different dynamics, all right? And so really looking forward to that. Awesome. So I just, I love that. As I said before, the Word of God sets us up for a win in every area of our lives. And you know, some, sometimes people look at Christians and think, well, you should have it all sorted because you're Christians. Right. But we face every temptation that humanity faces, but the Word of God actually sets us up for how to deal with it. So I love what 1 Peter 3 verse 8 to 11 says, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you are called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life, to love, to see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. And I just love that passage because I think all of us want life. All of us want love. All of us want to know good days. But this verse says we enter into it partly because of what we speak, what comes out of our tongue. So in learning how to do conflict, most conflict goes bad because of what comes out of our mouth. And so it's been a really wise with what we allow out of our mouth. Again, I love what Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make 
every effort, right. which again is a challenge because yeah. again, when it comes back to our relationships, do we make every effort to keep unity because of the bond of peace? Every effort to keep unity. You know, what does that practically look like? It practically looked like, for me, what I can do sometimes is just shut down and not want to talk. And Craig's been brilliant with, with me over the years with this, is he makes me talk. And so I have to get out of myself to talk. You know, sometimes it means picking your battle. So it means for us at the moment, two of our boys have mullets because <laughs> I have to pick my battles. It's a beautiful thing, people. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Easy had his, our three-year-old has, has cleaned up just yesterday and he came out with just this horrible mullet. It's so defined and so distinct. And he said to me, Mum, I look so pretty. I'm like, buddy, you look the opposite to pretty. But because I want unity, I have to pick my battles. So... This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my... The, um, the reality too is that actually the Bible says that as Christians... As Christians, because we believe in Jesus, we're going to find there's going to be conflict, right? Like it doesn't say, hey, be in the world and be of the world. It says be in the world, but be different to the world. It actually says that in the midst of darkness, I want you to be light. What is that? That's opposing forces actually at each other. But it's not to go and point out darkness as false, but it's to draw people out of the dark into the light. So how we shine matters. Uh, not just the fact, oh, I'm shining. Look at me, I'm so right and everyone else is wrong. No, no, how we shine either draws people or it repels people. And God said, you know what? You're gonna get persecuted because of your faith. Uh, people aren't gonna understand your values. They're not gonna understand your morals. They're gonna think you're mad. They're gonna think you're crazy. They're gonna think you're bigots. But the truth of it is that that's not what this is. No, it's love from a higher source, from a greater understanding. But how we shine our light either will draw people or it will repel people. And I believe that casualty, sorry, conflict does not need to result in casualty. But it actually can enable increased, uh, can, sorry, can increase connection and it can increase clarity. So how we, as Nadia said, how we do conflict either deepens or it damages. And so we want to commit to resolving uh, conflicts. And so we, I thought it would be good for us just to tell a story that, you know, isn't too far Hasn't, it was pretty recent for us. So we're in lockdown number five. And, uh, you know, we, we mentioned God's grace is going to cover that whole time. Doesn't mean He's going to cover every Zoom call and every response that I made. Uh, but we're in a Zoom meeting, meeting and uh, happened to be in different uh, locations. So now we're in with our team. We had about six, seven people in the Zoom. And, um, and I was actually on a way to a pastoral visit. So I was parked in my car on the call and and then in that moment, uh, Nadia offered a suggestion about something, which I thought we had resolved before that meeting. Uh, and so when Nadia made the statement, let's just say I didn't respond so well. Um, it probably wasn't, you know, it was one of those things where I was just like, oh, really? Yeah, so you're just, no, you know, like, at which point, as every husband or anybody know in those moments, you're like, that was the death of me. You know, like, <laughs> how do I somehow turn my camera off and say, oh, losing connection, action, and like, and hang up. Like, it was just like, oh man, I'm gonna pay for that. I'm gonna pay for that. I'm gonna pay for that. When had this pastoral meeting at which I probably should have got some pastoral care. But, uh, but about an hour later, I drove home and, and you know, you're like, just, you know, I bought about three dozen roses and uh, I washed the dog and I mowed the lawn. You and... should have done that. <laughs> there it is. So I walk in and, and here's Nadia and Hope and they were having a little bit of an afternoon date together and I walk downstairs and I'm like, hey guys, how's it going? Trying to like act like nothing and then I just looked at the stare of death. 
The stare of death communicated so much and it was just like, gosh, I knew. I knew that I knew that it was just, it was wrong. It was bad. And uh, so we paused the little movie and Hope's like, what are you doing, Dad? And I was like, Mum and Dad, we're, we're going to talk about some stuff. And at that point I knew, even though I thought, and I knew in my own mind that from my perspective, I thought, hey, well, it was sort of justified my response because why are we bring it? But at that point, we know it's not about being right. It's actually about knowing and owning what happened in that moment was wrong. And so I apologised. Uh, but at the same time, we brought clarity to what had taken place and why I had responded like that. And Nadia talked about the fact that she, hadn't, she wasn't trying to say that, was actually trying to say something else. But because I didn't listen to the question, you want to talk about conflict resolution? Let's next week, next time, talk about listening. But I didn't listen to the question. I just reacted. I shut her down in that moment. And then from there, I, you know, we talked and I apologised and... And that was great. And then I went and bought the flowers and I washed the dog and I did the lawns. No, but had that moment and, and, it was, and it was right. But the Holy Spirit actually in that moment prompted me to do something. I didn't tell Nadia about this until we were actually preparing this moment here. But I actually felt like the Holy Spirit said, that's all cool that you fixed it with her. But what about everybody else that was in that call? Everybody else was in that moment. Everybody else saw that conflict. And you've fixed it with her, but you haven't fixed it with them. You actually need to now email everybody and apologise for the way that you led in that moment and actually ask for forgiveness because what I realised is what I was doing wasn't I didn't just shut down Nadia, but I set a culture tone that said, if you were to suggest something that I don't agree with, you're going to get shut down. And that is not the heart of our team. That is not the DNA of our culture. That is not how we operate as a church. And it was a humbling moment, but it was a moment that needed to be had. And what actually came from a moment of confrontation actually became a culture building moment for our team. And I had to, you know, I, I had to own that. And it wasn't about getting everybody to go, oh, look, isn't he such a, isn't that such a nice guy? No, but it is about, we've got to resolve these moments because one reaction can actually cause a ripple effect that causes a shutdown for so many people. But God has not called us to lead out of dominating. He's called us to lead out of serving and humility. And so, so I just thought it's really important for us, and this is the thought, is that whether we are the culprit or we are the victim, or we are the casualty because of conflict. So whether we're the culprit of conflict or the casualty to conflict, we must take personal ownership. We must take personal ownership. The greatest relational conflict that ever took place was when creation sinned against its creator. And that humanity willingly over and over again rejected our loving God, rejected His forgiveness, rejected His help, rejected the fact that He had a loving plan for our lives. And yet we rejected and rejected, yet we have a God that models the fact that He takes ownership. It's not about the fact that He was in the right and we were in the wrong. It's about the fact that the relational connection is far greater than what's taking place in the moment. And I've got to do whatever I've got to do to get that relationship back. And didn't God show that? For He so loved, He sent Jesus to pay the price to cross the debt off so that that relational connection could take place. And the Bible says in Philippians that Jesus puts it like this, that He humbled Himself. God humbled Himself to the point that He would lay His life down for the ones that actually were in the wrong. Sometimes we can be so justified. I walked down those stairs somewhat trying to be light of the situation, but I felt justified in my response. But we have to humble ourselves and realise, no, no, the biggest thing I need to do is get this relationship back. And do you know that in relational conflict resolution, you're not always in that conversation going to get a solution. 
But the most important thing is you get back into relational connection. The solution will come as long as you can get the relationship back together. Does that make sense? And that's what I love about Jesus and God. They got the relationship back together. And from there, you can now walk forward into the fullness of what God has through that relationship. So awesome. So what we want to do today is just look at some strategies, some ways to resolve conflict. And the first thing that we've got to do when conflict comes up is go to God. Yeah. Now, Queen Esther was an amazing example of this. She faced the conflict of her husband uh, signing the death sentence for her people. And the first thing that she did when she was presented with that conflict was that she went to God. Mm. She beseeched God first. She sought after God first. And I think so often in conflict, we do the very opposite. We react emotionally. We react out of the sense of, I want to vent my emotions rather than going to God first and actually going, God, how do I need to respond in the middle of this? God, what do you need to do in me to change me so that I can come from this posture of humility, this posture of, God, what do you want to change in me first? I mean, God, why did this irk me so much? God, why did this like push my buttons? God, what is going on in me that needs to change so that I can come to this conflict from a place of wanting to resolve it in a peaceful way rather than my heckles being up and wanting to challenge the person or bring justification to my point of view. Mm. And I love what James 4 verse 1 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And so it's a good thing to go to God and just go, man, what desires are coming up on the inside of me that are causing this conflict that I actually need to deal with? Holy Spirit, that you need to teach me about. Holy Spirit, that you need to highlight to me. Because we all have our issues. We are all humans. We are never gonna do things perfectly. So if we don't go to God first, we're gonna present our stuff onto people rather than coming from a really healthy place. And I just think, you know, coming... Before God in that way, it's got, like Pastor Craig said before, there's such beautiful humility in it. And God works with humility. Like there is something so attractive about humility. Humility isn't walking out around with our head down. No, humility is actually coming to God going, God, would you mould me so I can actually step out in confidence, knowing what you've called me to, knowing how you've called me to respond in the middle of this situation. And I mean, we've been loving watching the Olympics and... um, you know, I just love, like, athletes that respond to a win with humility. Yeah. Like Emma McKean yesterday, winning another gold. She's got now nine gold medals. She's in the, in the category of Ian Thorpe and other amazing athletes. And the presenter said to her, you know, what an amazing thing. And straight away, her response is to thank her coach, to thank her family. It's yeah. not about me. Yeah. And, you know, as Christians, we may need to make sure that's our first response. It's not about us. Actually, it's about something far bigger. What is God wanting to build in this? This moment. Like Philippians 2 verse 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. What a challenge that is. Yeah, stop there. Like, yeah. yeah. Actually, like, just think about that for a moment. Nothing out of selfish ambition. How much would that change how we respond to conflict? Like nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Mate, how powerful is that? Yeah. What a challenge. Yeah, and one of the things that humility does uh, is it puts us in a place that we're willing to forgive. We're willing to forgive. And, uh, you know, in the light of what we're talking about, 
uh, I just want to preface the fact that I know that for some people, what you've walked through and what you're walking through, maybe what's happened to you, uh, is not a small thing. It's huge. And it's been damaging and it's been incredibly hurtful. Uh, I know that the principles we talk about sound really easy to hear, uh, but the reality of applying them actually can mean a whole lot of courage and approaching something and even going back to something that you would rather forget, just forget about. I don't want to go back there. Um, but I really do believe that God has called us to forgive. I believe he's called us, but then the Bible say, forgive others as I forgave you, which means, you know, if we look at that in the terms of the debt that we carried, you know, that he just wipes it clean. The fact that uh, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? No, 77 times seven, which is pretty much infinity, keep on yeah. forgiving. But there is this place that we actually have to go to and go, God, in my humility, I actually in that hum humble place, you say, God, I actually want to forgive. I've got to get myself to a place that I want to forgive. So your first prayer might be, God, help me want to forgive. Help me just want to forgive. Right now, I just want to murder. Right now, I just want to cut them off. Right now, I want to tell everybody about how bad they are. No, God, in my humility, you know what? I know you've forgiven me of a whole lot. So God, I'm going to ask you to help me to get that same mindset. Help me to get a spirit that says, you know what? I'm willing to let go of this and move on from here. And we've got to go to that place where we actually ask for forgiveness. You know, with the situation that we had, uh, I had to ask Nadia, do you forgive me? Not, I know that she forgives me because she loves me and we're married and that's just the way it is. No, no, do you forgive me? And give her the opportunity to say, yes, I forgive you. I, I do that all the time with our kids when I react to them or do something out of that I just know in my heart, that wasn't the right thing to do. I get our kids, I look at them and say, Zion, do you forgive me? I know you love me and I know that you're my son. I know that we're always going to have a bond that's, bond that's unbreakable, but Zion, do you forgive me? And then he says, yeah, I forgive you. Because why do I ask him the question? Why do I ensure that there's a transaction of authority from our words to enable there to be no seed that takes place yeah. so that no weed in the future can be built on and built on? You wonder why when something else happens, it adds to everything else that's happened? It's because everything else still sits there because you never actually forgave it. Someone may have asked for an apology, but you never gave them their forgiveness. And I think it's important for us to learn how to say, I forgive you. Not just to say, ask for, I'm sorry. We need to do that. I'm sorry. But you actually need to respond going, you know what? I forgive you. I let it go. I remove that seed of having any potential to become something else in the future. And the thing is, is that God's going to lead us in this humility to actually do things that seem out of, like, out of uh, logic. I remember about six years into being saved uh, that God said to me, I want you to go and forgive the friends who cut you off when you became a Christian, who the ones who went and slandered you and went and told everybody how you became weird and how you changed and how that you would, you would just because I, I stopped drinking, I stopped falling around, I was still their friend, I was still loyal. I just didn't do the stuff that we used to do, but I was still, I thought I was actually probably a better friend than I had been in the past. And here I am, God saying to me, you need to forgive them. I'm like, I need to forgive them. They're the ones that cut me off. They should forgive me. They're not Christian. They have no idea about what the value of forgiveness is. And then God said, no, ring them, even though I hadn't talked to them for years, and ask them for forgiveness. I thought, this is weird. There's a ringing a friend at 23 going, hey, Matt, how you going? Yeah, I know we haven't talked for a few years, but I just want to ask that you would forgive me. Uh, okay, you know, like, but I had the awkward conversation standing in my bathroom because I felt like it was a safe place. <laughs> and I said, you're not going to probably understand this but I felt like I needed to ring you and ask for your forgiveness. Because when you said those things, I harbored a bit of offense towards you. 
And that's probably why we haven't talked for a few years. But I just want you to know, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he was like, uh, what? Yeah, wh- whatever, man. <laughs> and that pretty much was the end of the conversation. Uh, but I got to tell you, when I hung up that phone, a new freedom I found that I didn't even know was available. I didn't even know I was holding it off. But, but God said, hey, you've hold, held on to something. They don't even know they've done it. Do you know that most of the people we've offended or offended us, that's probably the, most people that have offended us don't even know they've done it. Yet we hold on to it and we let seeds go in. Come on, it's time to forgive and ask for forgiveness. So awesome. And I think, you know, in, in the middle of all this, I think it's really important when we are facing conflict to ask the question, am I fighting to be right or am I fighting for unity? Because, yeah. you know, when it comes back to that conversation with your friends, you were really, you're fighting for unity as well. And that's what forgiveness does. Because yeah. I think when we can't can come to an argument or a conflict with that sense of I'm fighting to be right here, I'm fighting to be justified to defend myself, yeah. the other person's response is going to be the same thing. They're going to be on the defense. They're going to try and justify themselves. Yeah. And again, that doesn't build the relationship. But if we can come from that place of unity, actually, I want to build in this. I'm doing everything everything I can to build the relationship, not to justify myself. So coming from that filter as well. And unity has that tone of devotion and selflessness attached to it. Like Romans 12 verse 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. And so the ultimate goal with any conflict, with any even conversation about forgiveness, has to be unity. Has to be unity of the relationship, not about proving yourself. And I came across this pic the other day, which I just thought was an amazing uh, illustration of how to confront conflict in a healthy way. If we could have that up, guys, that'd be awesome. But there we go, unhealthy conflict is you versus me. So we're trying to be right. We're trying to prove ourselves, trying to justify ourselves. Where healthy conflict is you and me united versus the problem. And I think if we can approach things that way, it's such a healthy way of doing it because we're not attacking each other. Like in a marriage, we're on the same team. And I think a lot, like when we talk to um, couples that are going through marriage stuff, a lot of it actually boils down to that. You guys are on the same team. You know, we're on the same team. If Craig wins, I win. If Craig loses, I lose. Like we are one. We're fighting together. With friendships, it's the same. We are one. So we've got to make sure that we come from that place of unity and wanting to approach the problem together not attacking each other in the middle of it. Yeah, how good's that? The, um, the truth of it is, is that God, and we know this, but God's blessing is on unity. Like you to hear that. His blessing, His favour, His purpose is found in unity. It is not found in division. He does not grace division. He does not favour disunity. And I want to speak into, I guess, something that's very pertinent for our time that we're in. And I think it's important that we do talk into this. But I want you to hear it. This whole reality of COVID is of the enemy. It is straight from the pit of hell. Sickness is the outcome. Death is the outcome. Separation of loved ones is the outcome. The on-flower effect is mental health has gone through the roof, suicide through the roof, unemployment, through, like the, the reality of people's dreams that they've carried are being broken. Like it, there's nothing on this that is of God. There's nothing on this. The enemy is at work within this. I think we can all say yeah. amen to that. Yeah. But the reality of well is if the enemy knows that unity is God's plan, 
then He will use what He can to create disunity. So in the reality of COVID, we have lockdowns, we have masks, we have vaccines, we have all this kind of stuff, all these uh, complicated elements that surround it and that affects all of us. So we have a personal opinion towards it and whether we agree with it or we don't agree with it, do you know that the enemy, his great goal isn't whether you get a vaccine or not or whether you wear a mask or not. His great plan behind all of this is that your opinion and your perspective towards it would create disunity to somebody else that you love, somebody else in your home, somebody else in your marriage, somebody else in your family, somebody else in your workplace, somebody else in your church, somebody else in our house, in our family of faith. He's going, man, if I can use this to create disunity, if I can use this to have people of faith not fighting for each other, but fighting against each other, this is where the true battle lies. Yeah. The battle does not lie in, what's in, in the virus. The battle lies for unity. Yeah. And I wanna speak passionately and, and, and really into this because we've gotta understand that our differences cannot be bigger than our common denominator. Yeah. You can have a personal preference about a vaccine. You can have a personal preference whether you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask, but do not let that become a dividing factor on the very common reality that we have a Saviour called Jesus who unites us all under the blood of Jesus, calls us His kids and says, we are one. And I love through this season, through expansion, one of the great exciting things in my spirit, while there's a miracle outcome, is seeing the unity that is taking place as people stand united for the cause of building the church. Let us be people who fight the right fight. We are not here to fight someone else's opinion. You can have someone sitting in the seat next to you that's all about promoting vaccine and you can have someone next to you who says, I'll never get a vaccine. Great for you. But as long as you're fighting to lift up the name of Jesus, as long as you're fighting to see this nation saved, Because a vaccine or no vaccine isn't going to get people to heaven. What's going to get people to heaven is the name of Jesus. And we're going to lift up that name. We're going to promote that name. And that's the hope we're going to bring in this season. A little stirred up even though I'm sitting down. But, But hear it like our personal preference must come second to the priority that we are called to live united. Do not let this divide us. Do not. It actually goes on in that Philipp, uh, Ephesians 4, 3, where you said earlier, it goes on in verse 2. It says, As prisoners of the Lord, I therefore urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. What does that mean? We're going to disagree and that's okay. Do not buy into the world's lie that everybody has to agree on everything. Otherwise, that you like you cut them off and you cancel them. No, 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 no. We have to be okay the fact that we're going to have differing opinions on something. But you know what? The tapestry of difference creates something beautiful, but we're not differing on our principles in God's Word. Though this is the principle word that we all come from, but there's going to be different flavours, but let's all be united. Does that make sense? So good. Romans 14 actually talks about this tension in a beautiful way. And the New Testament church at the time was facing this conflict of some Christians were saying that meat should be eaten and some were saying that it wasn't. And it came back to Old Testament times of meat being sacrificed. And it was, I know to us today, it doesn't sound like a big deal at all, but in those times, New Testament times, it was a big deal. And it was actually dividing the church. And the Apostle Paul addressed it with the church. And he said this, You, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. And in verse 19, it says, Let us therefore make every effort 
to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. You know, it's challenging. The same applies to us today. Do not destroy the work of God because of an opinion about a vaccination. Do not destroy the work of God because of an opinion about a lockdown. Guys, let's keep unified. And as the Apostle Paul said, let's keep fighting for each other. Determine not to put a stumbling block in the place of another believer's path because we're committed to each other. We're committed to the bigger picture. We're committed to loving each other through it. We're not attacking each other on social media with our different perspectives and our different beliefs. Come on, we're gathering in conversation And I think this has been the other challenge of COVID too, is that because we're not allowed in her people's homes, we can lose the value of face-to-face communication. But let's bring it back to -to face-to-face communication and have chats with each other and be okay, have the maturity to disagree with each other, but still be unified in our approach that we love Jesus, we love people, we're building God's church, but we're not gonna get caught up in all this other stuff that the enemy wants to get us caught up in and lose the bigger picture, what God is calling us to, which is the salvation of our friends and family. So yeah. let's keep fighting the right fight. Yeah. And in that, you know, I just want to preface as well, like we're not saying you can't have an opinion. Not saying that you can't have a conviction towards how things are done. I would say that in my viewpoint, if I was to, to say it publicly, but I felt like God say, you know what? The, the truth isn't about getting your opinion out. It's about keeping pointing people to Jesus, keep lifting people's heads in this time. But the truth is, is that I don't know if I do agree with the imbalance of everything that's taking place. I don't know if I, and, and, but that doesn't, you know, so I can have that opinion. And for some people, a media platform or social media is a way for you to be able to communicate your thoughts. We're not saying you can't post something or you shouldn't, but I am asking you the question, have the wisdom for how you post it. How you post it. Does it attack a person or does it bring clarity to a situation? We are not here to attack people. I actually think if we had the awareness of Ephesians 6.12 that says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil realms, then I would think where we'd have the understanding that we would not be trying to accuse the people, but that we would prioritise the ability of standing in faith against what the enemy's plans are. The more we get caught up on accusing people in different roles and all of that, the less we're actually prioritising the faith, righteous faith that we have, the prayer of the righteous avails much, to stand in faith, to push back the enemy's plan, right? And so again, I'm not saying you can't post and all that kind of stuff. We're not legalising anything. But I am saying, can we have wisdom? Can we have wisdom? Can we just ask God, what's the best way? How do I communicate in this way that actually still brings clarity, but keeps people connected to you? And I think in that, we can create growing relationship. The, um, I guess uh, in that as well, is just this thought. Um, sorry, I've just lost my place. But this, this thought is that, oh, struggle is real, people. <laughs> hear this, hear this. Uh, As I said this before, the enemy wants to get us caught in fighting those of the faith rather than fighting with faith. The world's ways of dealing with injustice don't work. I'm just going to put it out there. Godly justice never seeks revenge. Never seeks revenge. Never seeks revenge. While we need to identify and acknowledge the wrongs that have happened, and bring clarity to where things have got confusing or got out of, role, out of place. Grace says, my role is not to make you pay, but how do we unite to make a way forward from here? 
And I believe if we could bring godly values and godly principle into all the different conflicts, there are so many conflicts that are going on, so many worldly issues that are going on. And I believe that it's getting more and more messy because we're not coming back to humility, we're not coming back to forgiveness, and we're not coming back to grace. I think God gives us a model to do that well. Amazing. So much in it, isn't there? <laughs> there is. <laughs> well, the, the second thing that we wanted to do, just as we come to a close today as well, is another really important point, but it's to go to the source, not to gossip. Great. To go to the source, to talk to the person that's involved. And our natural tendency as people is to talk to others rather than the person that was involved. Because yeah. it's just, it's easy. It makes yeah. us feel better about the situation and we vent. But it's, it causes a cycle to take place where we continue to vent about the issue, but we never actually confront it and fix it. We never do something constructive with what we're facing. So we've got to get to the place of maturity where we actually go to the source and we deal with it direct with the person. It actually says this in Matthew 18, verse 15 to 21. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him and work it out between the two yep. of you. Yep. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you have to start over from scratch, confront him with the need of repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. But it just speaks to the value of go to the person. Have a conversation. We've yep. talked about how we need to do it with the right heart, with the right approach in a way that honours. When Queen Esther approached the king, she did in a way that honours. Yep. So we honour people and how we have the conversation. But we go direct to the person because that's the way it sets everybody up for a win. If I am annoyed with Craig about something. Which never happens. No. No. And I go and talk to Kirsten, who's on the front row here this morning producing the service. If I talk to her about it, then I come back to Craig later and we get resolution on it. We're all good. Kirsten is still left with the sense of, oh man, that's not right. So she, she sees Craig next time and she's like, oh man, I can't believe Pastor Craig did that. And she's left with that residue of our conversation. And that's what we do. We end up with residue of our stuff with so many other people mm, because we gossip true. about it rather than deal with it. And we have got to get to the maturity where we're dealing with stuff, not just talking around the issue, but we talk to the right person involved so we can get the heart resolution. And that's biblical. That's what the Bible points us to. Come on, we've got to keep bringing things back to the Word of God. If we feel like we're not challenged enough, Mate, verses like that are challenging. Yes. Like if we filtered everything through that, come on, don't have a conversation with anybody around us, but talk directly to the person. Our, our relationships would look a whole lot different. Yeah. And I think that's what's taking place. If you say as a snapshot, what do I say? I feel like we have a culture in the world that is so intent on exposing people's wrongs, people's mistakes, people's faults, rather than actually covering. Noah was an amazing man of God. In fact, he built the ark and his family were the only family that actually God sovereignly saved. He comes off the ark and he starts planting um, uh, a vineyard, such a good drop of wine that he made uh, that he enjoyed it a little too much. Found himself naked in a cave. And then Ham, his son, comes in, sees him naked, exposed himself, lying there naked and goes and shares it with the brothers, exposing Noah's nakedness. Sham, 
and Japheth, the other two sons, walk in backwards with a cloak and they put it over top of his nakedness and they cover him. Noah wakes up and finds out about what has happened and what takes place is that Ham's son, Canaan, now carries the curse because someone didn't deal with it. Ham didn't deal with something that could have been, oh my goodness, Dad, oh, he wouldn't, this must have been a mistake. I mean, he's been such a noble, honest, God-fearing, God-serving, God-loving man. When everybody criticised him, he built the ark year after year after year. He's just made a good drop of wine. It's probably taken him a little far. I need to cover my, my dad. He exposes his dad and the generations are affected because of exposing. I want to tell you, I believe that across the world today, the level of exposing that's going on is going to create generational damage that is taking place. People are just literally, oh, look at this, exposing it, putting it out for the world to see. Don't know if anyone saw about the Mexican team that put their uniform in the trash cans at the Olympic Village because they were upset in the way that their team played. So another teammate who didn't play the team, the same sport took a photo of the Mexican team's uniform in a bin and took to Twitter to tell their team that they shouldn't have done that. Now all of the world is aware of it and it makes, puts shame and condemnation over a nation. But I bet you it was just one or two people in that team that thought, you know what, stuff this, we're so upset with our result, why don't we just chuck our uniforms up? Two people probably instigated that moment. Now the world is aware because people think, oh, I know this. What if that person, rather than taking a photo, took that trash, covered it, took it back to the team leader and said, I have found this in the bin. Might be worth a, a, a locker room conversation with your team about where the uniforms have ended up. No one would know about it. The right people would have been talked to. And it would have been resolved without the world now having a stain on Mexico because of probably one, two, three people that did something that should never have been done. I wanna ask us the question, what are we exposing and what are we covering? You go, yeah, but we're called to expose the sin. Ephesians 5 talks about exposing the sin. It talks about exposing the sin in the church. And they were not just little things. <laughs> they were debaucherous acts that were taking place that caused the pain and the hurt in others. Let's reveal that so we can deal with it rightly. But we're not, we're, we've got a world right now that wants to just, you say the wrong thing, boom, everybody's gonna know about it. You look the wrong way, boom, everyone's gonna know about it. You, you dress in the wrong colour, boom, everyone's gonna know about it. You make a statement about that, boom, everyone's. Honestly, and then we got some people who are reposting the post that's been posted. Have you seen this? Check it out. We're exposing, expose some more. Spreading exposure rather than bringing grace to cover. We are called to cover. That doesn't mean you just say, oh, don't worry about it. No, covering goes to the person, talks to the person, asks what's happened in the situation, brings Jesus to the middle of that. And we look for resolution and look for a resolve that causes not generational damage, but generational blessing because it enables unity, but it doesn't create disunity. Does that make sense? And I just want us to be people that grow in maturity that say, we are not here to expose. We'll go to the person. We'll have the conversation that's needed to be had. And next week, we're actually gonna unpack Matthew 18, which talks about how you resolve with conflict to a point that you go beyond just going to the person. How do you have the right people involved to create the right solution? So next time, we're gonna talk about that and unpack that. But you know, I love the fact, we've gotta to come to a close, but I love that. This whole principle of exposing and covering, I love that Jesus doesn't come in and expose our sin. He comes and by the grace of Jesus, He covers our sins. Don't you love that? Like I, I pray every, every believer right now is skipping for joy 
that the Holy Spirit who convicts us of our sin, right, doesn't come and go, hey, now go and tell everybody of all your past. That's why testimonies are so powerful because we hear people telling a story and you're going, what? Your life was involved with what? Are you serious? Like I look at you and look at what you've become and who you are now. How could that have ever been? Because you've got a God who covers it. And in fact, He says, I cancel your debt and I give you a brand new life. So we've got to be people that stop drawing up the grave clothes and let people live in the freedom of who God is. And I believe that there's people actually part of the service right now. And the truth of it is, is that you know there's areas in your life that are sin, they're separating from God. I wanna tell you, you've got a God that doesn't wanna shame you. He doesn't wanna condemn you. He's not trying to tell you, hey, you go out there, I'm gonna tell everybody about the life you live. No, He wants to tell everybody about the life you've got in front of you. But we're never gonna reach the life that He wants us to have if we don't come to Him with humility and say, God, I need you. And the Bible says He actually makes our, our, our lives as white as snow. He wipes away the old and gives you a brand new beginning. Right now in this moment, wherever you are viewing this, if you're here and you're part of the service and you know the truth of it is, is that you don't have a right relationship with Jesus. You're separated from Him. There's things in your life. Maybe you once knew God, but stuff has got in the way and you feel disconnected. God's heart and desire is that you would live in freedom and fullness of relationship with God. You'd have the peace of God in your life and that He would lead you personally daily. And if you know that you're disconnected from God, or maybe you've never had this opportunity, you know what you're feeling right now? You're feeling the reality there's a knocking in your heart and that's the Holy Spirit and He loves you. And He wants you to know that your past is not your future. He wants you to know that where you stand today in the pain of your today, He can bring freedom and grace and peace and hope for you tomorrow. But it doesn't come out of rules and religion. It comes out of a relationship with God. So I'm gonna pray the most significant prayer right now. And I would love you to join me, anyone and everyone in viewing this. If you know that you're not right with God, you've never had the opportunity to know God for yourself, then pray this prayer with me. Open your heart to God. He's gonna meet you where you are. He's gonna give you a brand new beginning and you're gonna walk forward in hope and in love and in peace. He's got a great plan for your life. I want you to respond in this moment. Let's pray together. Everybody say, Dear Jesus, today I invite you into my heart and I make you Lord of my life. I thank You that You love me. You have a plan for me and a purpose. And I commit my heart to You. I invite You, wash me clean, make me new, fill me with Your love. For I desire to live with You and for You. I declare I am a Christian. In Jesus' Name, Amen. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.